Hello, Ollie. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Sustainable 174. Welcome yourself all to Sustainable 174, my splendidly coiffured. That barnet is getting more and more spectacular by the week, isn't it? Mm. My hair's doing exactly what your hair is doing, but only at the back. <laughs> so <laughs> The Chris so model is that. Yes, it, it's business, uh, leisure at the back and very much business at the top. Yeah, um, yeah. We are Sustainable. We are your friendly little lockdown podcast. Although we were go, we got here first. We were going before lockdown. All these other podcasts coming along that were like, you know, existing only in the last three weeks, carrying on as if they have a right to be here. Well, we've been going for years, and we talk about the environment and why. Just because it is nosed, that doesn't mean we can't have the occasional little chuckle about it. A all absolutely right, Dave. Yes, and this week. We are going to be chuckling in a, unusually for us, quite upbeat way about some of the extraordinary changes that are happening, are going to happen and are going to stay happened, namely in transport and how we all get around. Uh, the fact that we are looking at, we are staring at car-free cities, cities that are going to be closed or parts of cities that are going to be closed to cars and uh, we're going to have lots more cycling, lots more walking and this is the sort of stuff which is like... Every environmentalist wet dream, basically. So we're going to be talking about wet dreams. Yes. And speaking of wet dreams, all are you happy that a considerable cost to my earphones, I moved all of my stuff from the little corner of the flat that doesn't get any Wi-Fi to my bedroom, where you are now parked on top of an ironing board. Um, but in the process of doing so, I dunked my headphones in a cup of coffee, so you're sounding a bit burbly. Uh, yes, I am happy about that. Thank you. It's nice not to hear Dave doing the... It's coming... It's got a ape like that. Um, before any of that, oh, just the usual disclaimer. Why don't you do it? Why don't you disclaim your own scurrilous behaviour? Okay. So Dave uh, is accountable to nobody but himself. Uh, and mama. Uh, and your mama. Uh, and I too am accountable to nobody but myself, but I am employed... And my mama. Uh, and your mama. <laughs> I am employed by an environmental charity. So please, if you've got any problem with anything I say, take it up with me, not with them, because it ain't their fault. Okay? No. It's not my mama's fault either. No. Nobody's mother's fault. Reasons to be cheerful. So, reasons to be cheerful. Now. Now. Now then. Now then. Usually I've plucked some small mammal. I haven't plucked a small mammal. I don't pluck small mammals. If you had to pluck a small mammal, which one do you reckon would put up the least fight? Oh one of those really pathetically endangered ones like a water vole or something or a pangolin go back and listen to the last episode of sustainable for more on the poor defenseless pangolin very nice very nice link uh no i uh what, what was i saying plucking a plucking small mammals why you were plucking it... a mammal out of somewhere what was it doing up there in the first place where, what were you talking why, about why was i ple- why was I plucking? Oh, that's right. Do you want to start usually, again? Do you want to start again? No, no. Usually, usually this section is all about how some small mammal has been, you know, saved from uh, extinction this week, but will inevitably go extinct next week. And Dave tells me that's not a reason to be cheerful. And I say it is. And we have a silly argument. This week, we're talking, in fact, the entire episode is about this genuine reason to be cheerful. Obviously, with the massive caveat that it comes in the context of a ma- of a reason to be very uncheerful, namely the global pandemic that is killing yes. lots of people. Um, but we're talking about cycling. We're talking about 
walking, we're talking about the lack of cars in cities and how in an extraordinarily short space of time, we are we are going to have transformed big cities and they are going to be transformed to be closed to traffic in some of the busiest, historically busiest places and open only to bikes and people walking and buses and stuff. And that is is what environmentalists just dream about. Yeah. So we both live in stinky London, right? Oh, correct. Not yes, stinky at the moment. Ve- it is not stinky. Emphatically well, not a stinky London. Quite, quite right. We live at different ends of stinky London. So if I wanted to get from my bit of stinky London to Old's bit of stinky London, I would have to go probably through the middle of stinky London, right? Yep. I think there's not really any other way of doing it unless I wanted to cycle for a thousand years. On the motorway. Um, on the motorway. Um, and if you were doing that, you would be ordinarily, effectively putting your head up the bottom of a bus um, and putting your head straight into the engine of an SUV and you would be taking your life in your own hands and your ears would bleed for all the noise and you would get to the other side and you'd go, I stink, I'm tired, that wasn't much fun. My, yes? life, my life expectancy has just gone down by six months. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. And exactly. it's what lots of people do. Every day, like that might, so I commute to my office in normal times and it is the other side of the river from where I live. So I have to go through the middle of town um, at some point. And um, yeah, that bit is horrible and you just do it. You just do it. But in stinky London, and let's talk, apologies to anyone what listens to this podcast who for some reason lives somewhere else. Where? Uh, but where, like, where uh, could anybody else live but London? I can't, Watford? Watford, <laughs> yeah. Croydon, I suppose. On the Brighton. Other I think some people live in Brighton. Yeah, but there aren't there aren't really other places, are there? I think we're really? clear about that now. Listen, we're bona fide. We're not from London. But we wanted to focus this chat by talking about what has happened in London, and then we'll talk about other places as well, right? But just because this is where we live, this is where you know I grew up, where I'm from. I've been here for long enough to at least pretend that he belongs here now. Um, yeah, I've, I've started trying yet, to sound like Dave. If I ever bother to listen back to one of the sustainable <laughs> episodes, I just cringe because it's. I realise I'm trying to sound like London Dave, and it's pathetic, <laughs> and I hate it. Fortunately, it doesn't work the other way. Oh, it does sometimes when we're interviewing posh people. And I find myself <laughs> find myself coming over all lol. Um, yeah, we yeah. say hello and Dave goes, good day to you, sir. Right, what, what, <laughs> False tooth, verily. <laughs> you don't need to do that. It's okay. <laughs> anyway, what are we talking about? Yes. London. London, London. Yes, London. So we, we're apologising for being London-centric, but also not apologising because it's at home. It's what we know. Cycling in London is a day-to-day experience for both of us and a big part of our of our lifestyles like I, I really you know I think lots of people who cycle regularly feel that cycling is a big part of their identity it's, it's part of what they are and who they what they do mammals that's what we are all. we are middle-aged men in lycra and do go back and listen to episode 147 for plenty more for Ol and Dave talking about cycling would you like a mayor of London quiz Yes. I, I, okay. Question I one in question one in Mayor of London quiz. What's the name of the Mayor of London? I was hoping that might be question one. <laughs> His name is Sadiq Khan. Very good. Uh, did you enjoy Mayor of London quiz? <laughs> yes. I think that's the first time I've got 100% right. Excellent. <laughs> yes. I like these quiz. More of these quizzes, please. 
<laughs> well, you can have another question, which is what political party is Sadiq Khan? He is the Labour Party. Now, this will come in useful later. Don't forget that bit of information. Okay. Right? Good. Now, he has said, right, shit. <laughs> That's what he said. Yes, it was an unusual statement. <laughs> shit, he said. There's a pandemic going on, but we've got to get people back to work. That's what he said, because we've been told we've got to get back people back to work. But, you know, people are going back to work. And you will have seen footage, Ol, and you may even have been part of, I don't know, what the state of the London Underground has been like during a pandemic, which has been pretty blinking horrible. Yeah, right? I've seen pictures. I haven't, I haven't been on. I genuinely couldn't tell you the last time I was on the tube. Basically, as rammed as ever, you're talking about, like, you wouldn't be able to transport animals in the sort of condition of rush hour on the tube. But that was still going on all the way through the pandemic, still going on, right? Um, and basically, the Mayor of London has gone, look, the only way that we're going to do this, the only way we're going to get loads of people back to work um, is not by trying to stuff loads and loads of them onto the tube and not by stuffing loads of them into the cars, because if we do that, people will get horrible air pollution or just be congestion. We're going to have to get loads and loads more people walking and cycling. That's what we're going to have to do. It's the only way it can be done. And so what he's done, all is he has basically gone, see all of them roads in London. I'm shutting them. In, unless you're on a bike. Or walking, or, walking. or you're a bus. Um, yeah. And some of them, not even bus, some of them are only going to be accessible to people on bikes or walking. Yes, it's it's mind-bending. And these aren't just piddly little roads kind of, you know, going sideways between two big roads or something. It, they are they are the main arteries of stinky London town. Uh, yeah. There's some of the, the bridges, the big bridges, including London Bridge, which for anybody who has cycled over London Bridge will be known as one of the least pleasant places to cycle anywhere in the world. It, for some reason, it doesn't really have any kind of meaningful cycle lane. It's always rammed with traffic and it's stressful and horrible. And I like I go out of my way to, to use a different bridge to get to work because I just don't want to go on that one, even though it's more direct. Lots of people do that. But that is no longer going to have cars and taxis, not sure about taxis, certainly not cars, certainly not vans, only going to have buses and bikes and people. And this isn't just a temporary thing, we'll do this until, you know, all this COVID business is over and then back to normal. It's, that's what's going to happen from now. No more traffic on London Bridge. You know what I did yesterday, Ol? You sweated. I did sweat. I went. You uh, sweat. I decided. I sweat. I just. Oh. <laughs> that is the worst combination of letters I've had for a long time. <laughs> I sweat. I drank yesterday three and a half liters of water and didn't go for a wee once, which means I pretty much swat it all into my pants. Oh goodness me. Goodness, Goodness me. me. Yes, I went for a very long cycle. And while I was out going for a very long cycle, I haven't actually been anywhere for three months. Don't tell me off and write to the Daily Mail about me. Um, but I thought I would go and see for myself what is going on. So I took the portable audio equipment, which I studied intensely before I started using it to make sure I could work out a record on it. And I went to London Bridge. 
And it sounded like this. Is this recording? I know I have form on not recording stuff. Hello, all. Uh, right. Hello, everyone. I am on London Bridge, which is big old bridge in London across the River Thames. What some Americans bought once, thinking it was another bridge or something, but it still seems to be here. Don't really understand that. And I just wanted you to listen. That's a bus going past. That's a fire engine going past. Not much else going past. So you have to know this bridge, I guess, to know what's going on here. But what's going on here is that normally it is proper rammed with traffic. It is my least favourite place to cycle in the whole of London. That's up against some pretty stiff competition. A number of times I have thought I was going to get squished was high. No bugger here. So the road is totally shut to cars, totally. Um, and there are new cycle lanes, temporary ones, that are here. Um, and people walking across. Buses are allowed over. Fire engines. But that's it. And over the other side of the road, there are men, not as socially distanced as they should be, strapping fellows in high-vis, building stuff. And I think what they're building is permanent cycle lanes. It's bloody civilised is what it is. Helicopter. Did you hear that? That was a bloke running past on London Bridge. Bloke running. And he ran. It's on London Bloody Bridge. London Bloody Bridge is a massive, great, zonking bridge with zonking great shitloads of traffic on it. Well, not today, it ain't. You could hear a bloke running past. You could hear his breath as he ran past. And he was running two metres away from me. It's one of them things, isn't it? You don't realise how quiet it is. Okay, right, look, if you live in the middle of blinking nowhere, it's not that quiet, is it? But you don't realise how quiet it is until you actually think about how quiet it normally isn't here. And I'll tell you what else. I'm stood on London Bridge. The sun is shining. And the air feels clean. It's bloody lovely. I'm not going to pretend it isn't bloody lovely. Because it is. Now, all yes. I felt genuinely a bit emotion. I, on that I could tell. I could yeah. tell you did. And I had a thought when I was on that bridge about sort of suddenly, re- suddenly feeling like, and we can come to whether or not this is getting carried away, but suddenly feeling like we've moved out of the age in a sort of permanent kind of way of the centre of this city, this bridge being filthy and horrible and a death trap, just feeling like, crikey Moses, something's changed here, and the future doesn't have to be shit, and the air doesn't have to be dirty, and I felt like I was, I don't know, I just felt alive. It was lovely. It was really, really, really lovely. I took my headphones out and everything. It was amazing. (laughs) Looked up from your phone at one point, I'd imagine. It it is extraordinary. And... um... I, well, the other thing I... Sorry, I just smashed my microphone into a cup of tea, so we'll see how that we're goes. Going, we're doing well there, aren't we? Yep. <laughs> uh, the the other thing that I, I felt when listening to that was intense jealousy. I was like, oh God, I want to I be there. I want to I be on my bike. And it's it's very strange for, as, as I was saying earlier, for people who cycle every day as a matter of course, it's just, you know, our commuting 
method. Uh, it's very strange to not really be on my bike very much. Pooped around with uh, one of the baby owls on the back uh, fairly often, just around here, but not proper commuting. And it made me think, I, I want to cycle on London Bridge without any cars on it. That sounds brilliant. There is a time to surf and there is a time to wax your board. <laughs> and I'm not just talking about surfing. What we ought to get onto a little bit now is is the sort of facts of what's going to happen um, and the timescales. Now, as I understand it from The Guardian, uh, this the work... In fact, you, you described uh, these burly henchmen, not henchmen, just men who are hench, uh, digging up the road and starting work on the new cycle lanes and stuff. I assume, I assume that's what they were doing. Okay. Yeah. Well, The Guardian yeah. said that the work has started and right. that they reckon it's going to be done in about six weeks which is also mind-bending. Like, this stuff never takes less than a year or whatever, you know? It's like... But like that is... that, And what we're talking about here is permanent cycle lanes. Yeah, so what I don't know is whether it's going to be, you know, like, big chunks of concrete that make segregated cycle lanes, because that's... I mean, they, they were doing some... Di- like, it was serious work going on. Right. Well, I suppose the, the fact... It's, it's, it's the opposite of a perfect storm, isn't it? It's... I don't know what the opposite of a perfect storm is. A shit storm. A, <laughs> <laughs> a shitstorm, yeah. <laughs> it's a shitstorm. Um, because there's not very many people trying to use the bridge, presumably if you're doing roadworks, you can do them a lot more quickly. And um, the, you know, the the people who would or- ordinarily make a point of getting their neckers in a twist about cycle lanes being built are probably a bit distracted by the global pandemic um, and so are not causing as much of a fuss. And anyway, all of this is adding up to the fact that it's happening very quickly. So in six weeks' time, there are going to be permanent cycle lanes on London Bridge. It's not just London Bridge. Um, it's other huge bits of London. Bishopsgate is, I think, going to get it. Yeah, Bishopsgate. Um, and like... Hoban? I, I think Hoban is going to... like That massive street that goes from like past St Paul's and... Yeah, um, Old Street. Euston, Waterloo, big sort of area in the middle. You don't need to know London to just take our word for it. This is a zonking great chunk of the middle of London. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's mega. Um, And it's for keeps. That is the important thing, right? Um, Where was that that quote you highlighted? Um, We should get Arabella to read this, even though it's the least sustainable thing in the world. Where's that quote? If we want to make transport in London safe and keep London globally competitive then we have no choice but to rapidly repurpose London's streets for people. So that was your actual mayor. That wasn't like that's Greenpeace a, that that's said that. <laughs> ain't it? That's the sort of stuff that like, you know, in, in the sort of organisations that we, we have both worked for, if we said like we, we need to put a quote out saying that we have no choice but to rapidly repurpose London's streets for people... You know, the press office would have been, oh, get off your high horse and enough of the tub-thumping idealistic nonsense... No one's no one's gonna do that. No, just talk, be more pragmatic, be more realistic. This is the politics. This is the mayor of London saying we need to rapidly repurpose London streets for people. And that's no, amazing. That's not just kind of meaningless, empty rhetoric. He's deleting cars from Waterloo Bridge, from London Bridge, from Bishopsgate, from Hoban, from Euston. It's, ah, it's just it's amazing, and it's. Um, it's wonderful because obviously it means 
you know, on a very selfish personal level, it's going to be <laughs> nice. Because obviously it means my life is going, it's to, going be to be better. nice to cycle around. But more importantly, which is what I was going to say, <laughs> more importantly, it means that those places will be far less polluted. So anybody who is on those bridges, on those streets, will not be breathing in filthy air and will not be having horrible, you know, asthma attacks or all the even worse things that come of it. It was, I was riding my bike through the centre of London and I didn't feel like I'd been gargling petrol. Like, Did you blow your nose felt... at the end of it? Because uh, that's, that's always the test, isn't it? Blow oh, your right. nose I thought, that was some, like... I thought that was some sort of uh, Cambridgeshire thing you had to do. <laughs> Yeah. Dance, dance around a maypole, smack Throw a peasant over your right shoulder, play your nose. No, did you? Because that's always the test, isn't it? Of just how grim uh, cycling in, in a centre of town can be. Is you blow your nose and like, oh my god, whatever. Oh no, it's just pollution. Imagine for a second, right, you thought environmentalism was a conspiracy to enslave us all to the Red Menace. And I do. And, and you do, because it is. Um, <laughs> exactly. But imagine that's what I've you I've seen thought. a YouTube video, Dave. Imagine you were, for example, Jeremy Clarkson, right? Would you not say, look, told you, told you they were just waiting for something like a virus that kills loads of people to come along to suppress our right to drive and suppress our liberties um and like do you do you think that's what's happened is that like politicians would never remotely have had the guts to do this thing which obviously is a good move to do right they'd never remotely have had the guts to do it they'd never have had the political space to do it and it had to take like very very sadly tens perhaps hundreds of thousands of people getting ill and dying for that to happen. So does it make you feel in any way a bit like uh, something a bit tacky about it? I don't think so. I know, I know what you mean. And it's very unusual to be like on this side of things, right? Usually crises are uh, taken advantage of by people looking to do dastardly things. Um, mm. But I mean, I think what's, what's, what's so fascinating is that the way, certainly the way Sadiq Khan has talked about it, but also other mayors of other cities have talked about it, is like there is there is a logical necessity for this stuff. Because like the, anyone who's been on the London public transport network, be that bus or tube, uh, in the past few years, will know that it is constantly at capacity. Like there isn't room for people to do, do social distancing. Like you don't you don't have tubes that could probably take another twenty percent or whatever. Like. So given that we are going to have to be socially distant for a while, there are loads and loads of people who who cannot go on that network. And even if pollution wasn't a problem, bunging them in cars would soon mean that you had streets absolutely round full of cars not going anywhere. So there is a logical necessity to get people on bikes and walking, which which means that it, no, I don't feel tacky about it. It's just it's just a sensible thing to do. What I what I think is interesting is that when you read some of the quotes of what what mayors are saying, and there was who was it the mayor of well because because mayor it's of not Milan just or something who's, who's, yeah well, it's not just London doing it is it I no mean, it's happening should, everywhere yeah, yeah. it's happening everywhere um, and oh where was it where was it hang on a minute da, 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 oh, da. So you're thinking of Athens is what you're thinking Athens of. there we go uh, do 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 just bringing out the thing yeah we go right so mayor 
Bakayanis of Athens said, uh, well, should we get Arabella to say this? We have this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and are fast-forwarding all our public works. The goal is to liberate public space from cars and give it to the people who want to walk and enjoy the city. Athens will be cleaner, greener and better lit. Yeah, so there you go. Once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Uh, liberate! And liberate, liberate! Liberate public space from cars. Now, that is the sort of stuff that transport campaigners, that, you know, eco, eco-commie bastards like us have been saying needs... That's how we tried to frame it. And suddenly all these, these mayors are saying uh, that's what needs to happen. And what I think is a bit odd is like, well, if that is what you right. have wanted to do, if that's what you think, right. like, why haven't you done it before? You're the ones in charge of your cities. And it feels a bit pathetic. So I know it's good that it's happening. It's wonderful that it's happening. And, you know, when things change, you've got to be nimble, take advantage of those changes and, and, and press home in advantage, all the rest of it. But you, you're the ones who've been in charge while these cities have been jammed full of cars and where cycling is something you do as a kind of adrenaline sport to see if you're going to make it to next Tuesday. I, come on. You could have, if this is what you really have always felt, this has been your goal in public office, then what have you been playing at till now? And this is the thing, isn't it? This is this is politics. This is politics, Hulk. Because like people, there's, there's such a kind of terror around the twin threat of like people who that, uh, people who drive. And let me be absolutely clear and be really, really, really genuinely want to be clear about a thing. Right? That's never a that's people, never a good sign. That when when no, somebody starts saying, "Let me be clear," let me be absolutely. Where's where's that clip of Tony Blair saying, "Let me be clear"? <laughs> but let me again make one thing absolutely clear. Some people have to drive. I'm not having a go at people who drive, right? There are people like who do social work or who need to drive for all sorts of reasons or like who have disabilities who need to be driven. Like I get all that. I'm not saying cars are all bad, right? But there are a lot of people who don't need to drive but who bloody well love driving anyway and just bang on about it and are very powerful and Jeremy worship Jeremy Clarkson as a god um, and... You know, frankly, that's enough trouble to start with anyway. And so you've got that threat. And then you've also got, like, business. And again, let's not say all business is bad at all. But you remember there was quite recently, I think, there was a plan to pedestrianise Oxford Street before any of this kind yeah, of which, came which along. Yeah, which Sadiq Khan was in favour of, to be fair to him, but Westminster Council kiboshed. Because Westminster Council are... No. Oh, okay, no, I can't say that. Politically. Uh, uh, Tories, sorry. <laughs> right. And Sadiq Khan isn't, right? And so the politics of it all comes in, that like you can sort of play the whole, oh, but if you do this, it'll be bad for our businesses. And then you put the politics on top of that, and you put the car lobby on top of it. And basically it's kind of, and then you've got to stand for election again in a couple of years' time. And just the way politics sort of works is it you, you're probably not going to stick around in the job for very long in practice if you're just going, yeah, you know all them shops you've got and those cars you like, um, we're going to do something that doesn't look like good news for them. So unfortunately, yeah, I, I, do I guess, I, I do get that. Unfortunately, I, I suppose the point is, unfortunately, something like this kind of had to happen, right? Unfortunately, for people to uh, say, all right, well, there's been a shock and now we react to it in a certain way. And ordinarily, we are quite used to, oh, there's a shock being used to, for example, suppress our civil liberties or, you know, uh, get us to do all sorts of, or, or impose austerity on us or that sort of stuff. It's quite... It's kind of how politics works. Yeah. You need this and, it, sort of and there's plenty of that sort of stuff going on simultaneously, just not in this realm. And I, uh, I saw that Naomi Klein has, has coined a term 
the Screen New Deal, which is describing like the basically what she anticipates of the massive power grab coming from tech companies in in light of of COVID. And like you know, there will be all sorts of horrible erosions of privacy and surveillance going on and all the rest of it. And you know, you're already seeing it. Like our lives are now in, even more entirely dependent on getting getting some horribly exploited worker to uh put the safety at risk to deliver us crap from amazon and um you know and all the all the zoom stuff and all the rest of it so um we're not saying that it's all you know all the all the opportunism that's going on is from the good side but um yeah it's clearly it's clearly happening he's the snake to my mongoose or the mongoose to my snake either way it's bad i do know animals Foggy day in London town. So, oh, yes. Problem is, yeah, if you want to get cars out of cities, you can't do it all, old bean, I don't think, off of cycle lanes. For all sorts of reasons. Like, there is no way that everyone is going to cycle and walk. Not everybody can, not everybody wants to. Um, some places are very far away, more to the point. London is. As I discovered yesterday, cycling across the whole of it, sodding big, right? Um, <laughs> as big as a um, a cloud of locusts. See episode, right? Um, something like that. Yeah. Um, so, is there a problem with like places like London and public transport? So, here's the thing: people like friend of the babble Leo Murray go back and listen to episode 79 and 117 for our chats with Leo Murray, who is one of your big ambassadors. He wrote this piece. Um, he wrote he wrote a piece he did. He wrote it um, talking about car-free cities by 2030. And he said it should be a thing that we have, right? Um, but one of the things you have to have as part of that is really good, affordable, maybe even free. Free, free yeah. Maybe even free public transport. Oh, we talked quite recently about uh, Luxembourg, which is a tiny little country um, in the middle of Europe somewhere, what has made the entirety of its public transport free. As we pointed out at the time, you can do that if you're a tax haven. Um, <laughs> the population of 24. <laughs> population of 24, most of which are yaks. They have yaks in Luxembourg? Sure. Don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but one of the one of the things that has happened and again this is politics that's going on is all right uh, mayor of london is going look and going to put cycle lanes everywhere but he's also effectively had to go and beg to the government to have transport for london what does the transport bailed out and i didn't know this that like london is one of the city the only city in the world or the, sorry the only city in western europe that doesn't get subsidy for the day-to-day -day running of its transport network. So basically all of the, like, not necessarily for some of the public investment stuff, but like all of the keeping the show on the road money comes from people paying to go on the bus and tube, which is why, frankly, it's pretty sodding expensive, certainly, to go on the tube. And it's going to get more yeah. expensive because he's been told in exchange for the, for the loan that he's got to keep that all on the road, he's been told, yeah, you have to put the prices up. Um, so you could be... Okay, there could be more walking and cycling going on, but one of the things you might also have is more expensive to get the public transport. So you might right. have a bit of a problem there. So, so my if, basic so point if being, if you're if you're compelled to take public transport, if for instance you're one of the people who 
you know, as this crisis unravels, we're going to see the inequalities that exist get even wider, right? So all right. of uh, the happy, clappy, middle-class people like me and you can sit in our homes and, well, in your case, not do any work, but me do some white-collar work. Uh, the is work. Safe, the is safe work. in the knowledge that people are going to keep turning up to, uh, you know, sort our shopping and deliver it to us and uh, right. go to offices and get them clean or whatever. You know, all of, all of the, as we've, become all too aware all of the undervalued um, work that goes on in the economy is going to have to carry on going on at great personal risk and people are going to have to get to those places and they're going to need to use public transport which now might be more expensive so that's not brilliant the point basically being you're not going to do this all by walking and cycling and wouldn't it be nice to have free public transport and wouldn't it be good if politics didn't get in the way of that that's the point uh, the management in their infinite wisdom mrs butler has asked me to tell the public what it was like to be a busman a hundred years ago <laughs> that's clever because he was here <laughs> and I, I wanted to use that just as a way of talking about like getting out of just looking at london and its streets and all of that sort of boring stuff and talking about in general whether or not we might start doing a few things differently because of this here lurgy what we've yeah what we're living through um and there's an there's ever more people ever more serious grown-up people with like proper jobs and ties that are saying those those glasses that have have very thin metal rims and the Mm. the lenses are just the right shape and you look at them and you think that's a grown-up they're expensive they're not flashy glasses but they're obviously expensive well-made glasses that's that's someone who's serious about their life I wonder what that's like. Right, like the editor of the Financial Times, for example, or um, Gianluca Vialli. Ex-footballer. <laughs> um, I love Gianluca not- Vialli. I don't, yeah. Likeable Juventus star. He's still capable of scoring spectacular goals, like this one in the UEFA Cup. But anyone who Palmer. gives a shit, uh, <laughs> he was a footballer in the 90s. And obviously, 90s footballers are the things that Dave and I value pretty much above anything else in our lives because we're we're yeah. like that. Um but he was a That's what, that's when Cambridge United was a thing. Mm. Briefly a thing. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Mm. Anyway, Gianluca Vialli and other people uh, of equalist equal equal equaler. <laughs> there equal. are there are people other than Gianluca Vialli <laughs> have said this. But I did think it was he was being interviewed. He's not had a best of time, poor bloke, uh, but he has been interviewed about how his perspective on life has changed. And he concluded this interview, it was in one of the papers Times or something, I don't know, um by basically saying like absolutely obviously as we come out of this crisis we have to tackle climate change as well which is pretty much what the financial times has said and what Tory MPs for God's sake are saying. Yeah. And after back in episode 170, do you remember we talked about the Lurgy and we said that back then it was, you know, lockdown was just starting and we were saying, what's it all going to mean? You've got to be really careful about how you talk about this and you can't just go out and make it sound, be opportunistic. But now everyone's nature saying, is healing. It's like, nature, is, nature healing. is healing. You don't have to say all that shit, but you, you, you can say, look, climate change is still here. As I talked to you all, and I'm not a meteorologist, as you know, we're on like our 20,000th consecutive day of being a hot day in May, as far as I can work out. Uh, it's, climate change is here. It is a thing. And all of the stuff you're going to have to do to get the economy going again, as Sadiq Khan said about 20 years ago, sorry, um, was like, do it green. Obviously, mm. do it green. Um, and the point being, you can't be dicking about with making public transport more expensive as part of that. Like, you're going to have to do it coherently there. How's that? You know, Minister, one requirement of a national transport policy is to bring bus stations nearer to railway stations. 
But that would mean building on the park. Alas, yes. <laughs> Dave, it's not all uh, chocolate boxes and roses, though, on the whole cycling front. Um, don't well, ever... Two things that would be very bad to cycle. No, I was going to say, don't ever try and cycle with chocolate boxes and, and roses, particularly in this heat. Neither of them would do well. Um, no, it's not, it's not all sweetness and light. It's not all chocolate boxes and roses because I read a thing the other day that said that sales of second-hand cars are surging... The logic being that people who previously used public transport to get to work are now looking at that thinking, don't want to do that, I'm going to get COVID, uh, so I'm going to buy me a new car because that's the safest way to do it, or buy me a used car and that's the safest way to do it. And I I guess that that is the obvious logical choice for a lot of people who, particularly people who don't live in London and might live, you know, 20 miles from where they work, 30 miles from where they work, Um and there used to be a bus or a train and it was rammed and now they don't want to get on that rammed train. So like it's you know, we're not we're not just suddenly gonna see the UK covered in um happy people with flowers in their hair on tandems, um and thank God for so many reasons. Uh but yeah, it's it's you know, it reminds us again that like transport policy out of London just is miles from where it should be. Literally. Yeah, and one of the things we haven't talked about at all here in in Paris. So we haven't mentioned Paris. Paris is one of the places that, in its defence, was actually taking a lot of this stuff head on before the. Uh, coronavirus crisis so there was big, the mayor of Paris uh, Mayor Hidalgo I think Anne Hidalgo name, yeah she's great although like you know has come up against massive opposition from the motoring lobby right well there we are well she she like quite a lot about a year ago was saying no no we're going to get loads of cars out of the centre of Paris you are going to have to like it uh, and and obviously in France they don't need much in treatment to not like stuff so they've gone all bonkers um, but <laughs> why um, are you burning tyres I don't know I, I, I presume there'll be a reason soon I just thought I'd get out here early and burn some tyres. I'll protest about something when I've decided what it is. One of the things she was saying, um, maybe this is a nice way to end it, I don't know, is that ideally, of course, you wouldn't have to be driving anyway. Like, ideally, you would have all of the shit you need within 15 minutes of your house. Now, that is like, interesting. Ideally, that is, right? that is well interesting, right? Because you've that's a life that people are now leading much more than they were pre-lockdown. So, you know, you're, you're engaged, you by, by necessity, you're just engaged in your local area, even though the, you know, lots of stuff is shut. And I just, I wonder whether that is the, where in a strange way, we're going to become much more locally sort of, we're just going to live our lives more locally. And and is that then going to be the way that small high streets get saved? Because they're knackered. If they weren't knackered before, they're knackered now. Exactly. Um, or are we just going to sit in our homes ordering everything off Amazon? I mean, it does it does feel a little bit like the tech dystopia that I've always lost my shit about is kind of happening without anyone noticing. Like we're, we're just entirely reliant on one or two absolutely enormous <laughs> data and tech companies who are just mining every bit of our data as we go. 
I did wonder whether we would manage to get all the way through this episode without all returning to dark thoughts of terrible <laughs> dystopia. And it turns out we haven't. It turns out we are back there with Avengers. So all I wanted to say about that, to, to drag you out, we haven't even talked about the robot that walks dog shit. We can talk about that if you like. No, that is, um, that is just superb news, isn't it? Uh, was that, yeah. was that and Singapore the, and, or something? I can't remember. And genuinely, the fact that we were sitting in our front room the other day and a drone went past the window. Shit, really? Happened. Yeah, we live really high up, so uh, yeah, that happens. Um, anyway, leaving all of that aside, um, the point being, uh, better way to think about transport even than putting walking and cycling everywhere is, wouldn't it be great if the shop on the corner still existed, right? And so this is one mm. of the things that's got to be, if you're going to have a genuinely green recovery, it can't just be, hey, you can walk and cycle to all of these out-of-town shopping centres. You're going to have to look after the high streets. And I'm worried about poor old Crystal Palace High Street, the triangle. I'm worried about it, and I'm sure it's the same your way. Yeah. Um, when social distancing happens, it's going to be a lot easier to do it in a big shop than a little shop. Yeah. That's for damn sure. So, um, yes, that is all I wanted to say about that. When it's, and it's obvious that's how it's happening already, because uh, if you actually go to the little shops, they often have all of the stuff that has run out in the big shops but the narrative is all this stuff has run out all over the borough like you can't find flour anywhere in Walton Forest where I live it's like you can it's, it's in the little shops where no one is going because we're just all scared of going to places that aren't Tesco because you sort of trust for some reason we, we we trust in these huge corporations to be doing things properly and you know they are now but they weren't and it's a funny old funny old topsy-turvy world isn't it Dave yeah, there you are, Babble listeners. All decides corporations are now doing things properly, so you don't need to worry. <laughs> no, that's not what I said. It's hey, it's what you said. No, hey, no, fact, no, that's not what I meant. You know what I meant. Well, you know, you know what I meant. <laughs> Bastard. Right, that is just about it for an uncharacteristically cheery sustainable. There you go. Once every 176 episodes, we do a piece of unbridled joy. Happy now? 174. Yes. No, very oh, happy. 174, Thanks, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very good. Thank you all for babbling. Thank you to Arabella for so nobly reading out the eco guff. Thank you to Dickie Moore, who has got under his recording auspice of uh, Bearcraft, has got a new single out today, what you can listen to in all the places. Go and do that. Check out bearcraftmusic.com. He did our music, What Starts, Ends and Intertwinkles, the podcast. Thanks for that. And to Arthur Stovall for the logo, What Adorns It and Us and our merchandise and an increasing number of other sites that seem to be adopting logos very similar to ours. Mm. 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 Interesting. Uh, thanks to, uh, to the British Podcast Awards for... I'm sure they long-listed us. Clearly viewing us as above trite sort of <laughs> meaningless competition, popularity contests like, you know, the British Podcast Awards... Um, and recognising that we're we're a far sort of more nobler outfit than than anyone who needs nominating. Um, that sounds bitter, doesn't it? I mean, well, it is. I am bitter. About I'm it. bitter. Yeah, we're going to have to record the. Uh, I want the next thirty episodes of this podcast to be recorded in Welsh, so that we've got an outside chance of not getting shortlisted for the best podcast in the Welsh language category <laughs> of next year's. Uh, what's the point? What is what's the, the point? point? The babble. We don't exist for glory. We exist. We do. For, I want we glory. Don't. Well, you should have thought about people that a to, lot to, earlier in your life. <laughs> I want people to pat me on the head and tell me I'm doing a good job. You're doing a good job, Al. Thank you very much. Thank you, listeners, for listening. You can get in touch with us. Tell us what you thought of the show. We are at, uh, oh, bugger, on Facebook, <laughs> at Sustainer Babble. You can find us on the Twitter, at The Babble Wagon. 
or uh, drop us an email to hello at sustainingbabble.fish. And do make sure that you, by the end of May, send us over any questions, what you might have for Dave and Ole. We're going to do one of those question and answer things where we uh, take the best and most interesting questions, what can be about anything at all from our listeners, and we just talk about it. So it could be about us, about the podcast, about the planet, about where you should get your light bulbs from. We probably won't know, but we'll have a go. End of May. Send it over. Send it over. If you would like to give us any dosh, uh, you can do so by going to www.patreon.com forward slash sustainable. Uh, like several people, dozens of people, 10, 20s, 30s, 40s. Lots. Lots, <laughs> lots of people do. <laughs> uh, and, and bung us the, the price of a pint or a cup of coffee. Um, and we will love you for that and thank you very much to everyone who does that thank you very much Joel you are splendid I hope you managed to get outside and sample some of that lovely fresh London air likewise and um, good luck recovering from your sweating <laughs> dear me I haven't sweat so much in a long time bye bye well I'm here at Oxford Circus and I don't know if you can hear this just listen Not really in Oxford Circus. I'm in Hertfordshire. Still, it's nice though.